What happens in the vagus nerve stays in the vagus nerve. And we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog The Magnificent Show? Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Uh, Post-Labor Day uh, show, first day after summer is officially over here. In New York here, our governor uh, took an uh, opportunity to have a press conference to tell us we are now in the post-Labor Day phase of the COVID uh, stuff, which uh, I guess he was assuming that most of the state had slept through the weekend and not realized that we're post-Labor Day. Uh, I don't know the point of some of these press conferences. People just, uh, the politicians especially, just want to be on TV to let us know that they are thinking about us and got this stuff under control when nobody's really got it under control. Uh, so uh, that's uh, the state we're in right now. It's the uh, first uh show officially after uh summer is over although summer really ends on uh, i believe it is the 21st september 21st might be the 20th i don't know the uh equinox uh so uh but this is the official end of summer was yesterday so this is i guess the official beginning of uh, of autumn welcome to the new season uh hopefully things will start to improve uh businesses will start to get open schools will be open i know uh my grandson had his first day of school today a little bit nervous about that i uh, hope you're doing good wherever you are um today uh is one of these days where i am going to seem a little bit out of my um my comfort zone in in the, things I know about and you know you never really realize uh how little you know until you meet somebody who who really has a uh deep knowledge of things that you know nothing about and that makes you feel really <laughs> really inadequate and kind of uh needing to get uh, on the ball and learn some things and that's what this show is going to be about and I know a lot of people say uh I get a lot of email talking about wow you seem to know a lot about a lot of subjects in in interest groups um today i think i will be exposed as a guy who really doesn't know much about what we're going to talk about today and uh um, look forward to learning something i have learned something um today so far and that is that uh running backwards is actually a world sport a the world's fastest backwards runner broke his own record today. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine how that would be a useful skill other than running backwards as a sport, but it's just an interesting thing that I learned today. I want to talk about my sponsors before we get started here. Fundwise Capital, you know all about it. It's a lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit score to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. Get the funding, you uh, get the best funding you can qualify for. Notice I said start or grow your business. That's right. If you don't even have a business, but you've got a solid business plan, you can get started and get funding uh, from FunWise Capital. Where else? 
Uh, get the best funding you can qualify. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, and you can't beat 0%. You could try, but you won't succeed. Uh, they also provide unsecured term loans, loans based on your income, short-term uh, gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, franchises, any kind of business, really, restaurants, uh, you name it. So the way to get started, you go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. And the links will be in the description, as always. And I thank you very much for patronizing our sponsors. Now, I mentioned uh, my guest today uh, is actually uh, a leading expert. And when, when somebody's a leading expert, that's that's automatically makes me feel a little bit intimidated right right off the bat. Melanie Weller is is the world's leading expert in opening the door to health performance and innovation through the vagus nerve, a cranial nerve that bridges between our narrative and our physical experience, a true storyteller for the human body. Melanie has an extensive background in stress management, chronic conditions, and people who haven't, who haven't yet found success. Melanie is redefining the connection and alignment towards thinking bigger about our impact and the potential of voices in the fields such as business, public speaking, entertainment, elite sports, art, and those in the medical professions. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Melanie Wellington, Mind Dog uh, TV podcast. Melanie, welcome. Thank you, Matt. I'm so excited to be here. I am overwhelmed by by what I just read uh, your intro and, and uh, first of all, did I say the, the word right? Is it vagus nerve or vagus nerve? Vagus nerve is the most v common pronunciation. Vagus. And what exactly is that? So your vagus nerve goes from your brainstem all the way down to your pelvis, and most of us are really familiar with our vagus nerve when it's not working so well. And public speaking is one of those areas where we often evoke um, that, uh, the, where the vagus nerve sometimes doesn't work as well for us because we get a lump in our throats, our palms start to sweat, our hearts race, and our digestion starts to shift. And those are all vagus nerve mediated functions. And it means your vagus nerve has been dialed down and your fight and flight responses have been dialed up. Wow. And but the vagus nerve does so many things in the body. It innervates your vocal cords, your heart, and your digestive system. It sends sensory information from most of your organs up to your brain. In the research, how well your vagus nerve functions has predictive value for how long people with pancreatic cancer will live. Um, women with complete spinal cord injuries, meaning they have no function below the level of their injury, can achieve orgasm with vagus nerve stimulation at the cervix and women that innervates the cervix. In the research, they will uh, apply electrical stimulation to the nerve, usually at the level of the neck. And it, in, that, in those studies, it's been shown to reverse the mitochondrial defects deep inside the cells that go with heart disease. It reverses insulin resistance in diabetics. And neurosurgeons will even implant vagus nerve stimulators for people that have 
chronic pain, headaches, and seizures. Wow. So it's the most important part of our physiology that most people have never heard of. Uh, that's what it sounds like to me. It why, is, it is. Why have we never heard of Why have I never heard of it before? I, and I, I do, a, you know, I talk to a lot of people, doctors and scientists, and I've never heard of this nerve before in my life. Why is that? Well, I think its importance is just beginning to be measured. It's been the, the like technology has given us the ability to have a gold standard measurement for vagus nerve function, which is called heart rate variability. And now there are over 200,000 research articles on heart rate variability. So it's well established as a good measure of how your vagus nerve functions. So I think one, we can measure it now better than, you know, we certainly could like 50 years ago. <laughs> And um, I think it's it, like, it's certainly, you know, I've been, you know, seemingly screaming into the wind for many years now about how important your vagus nerve is. And it's very exciting now for me to see my message landing so much more clearly because people have this interest in it as meditation and mindfulness has uh, grown in popularity. Um, you know, we understand now that meditation and mindfulness improve your vagus nerve function. Right. Uh, and words like that, I, I have to tell you, words like that get thrown around a lot on this program. And so and it becomes muddy when you say mindfulness, sure. because I've, I've asked a lot of people to explain exactly what mindfulness is because it comes up so much. And uh, out of 50 people, I think I probably got 49 different responses uh, to what exactly mindfulness is. So that, I think, confuses people. Can you help clarify it? Sure. Well, for me, I, like, I don't know if I can spout a textbook definition of mindfulness at the moment. But for me, what mindfulness and meditation do for people is that they take the charge out between you and your story. So you're able to kind of be a third party observer of what's happening without being so emotionally enmeshed emotionally, with it. So you get okay. some better clarity around it. The people, some people are more naturally emotionally charged, myself being one yes. of those people. And there are other people who are just, you know, very cold and emotionless. Does that have something to do with this nerve or is that, um, is that just part of our personality makeup, which is, it, disconnected from the well, nerve. I, I think it can be both. I think that, you know, there are certainly like we understand in like narcissists, psychopaths and sociopaths, there are certain brain differences that go with that. But certainly your vagus nerve is a huge part of what makes, helps us be connected with each other and connected with the bigger picture because it, because it innervates our hearts. It creates the electromagnetic field of our hearts. And that's how, like when we walk into a room, we know, you know, if it feels great or if it feels kind of creepy or weird. <laughs> and it's how we judge each other energetically. We determine tr trust versus distrust in about half a second of meeting somebody. So mm. it's not a conscious process. It happens in immediately and our bodies react, um, you know, instantly to that. It sounds uh, very... How do I put this? It sounds like a bridge somewhere between new age stuff and and traditional science. It do I have that correct? Is. It absolutely is. I talk a lot about the um, the vagus nerve as the bridge between your body and your story, 
And what I've noticed over years and years of working with people, and my experience is overwhelmingly with people that have been around the block a few times and haven't found the answers that they're looking for with whatever condition they have, whether that's um, you know knee pain or hip pain or back pain or uh, you know something more complex like fibromyalgia. And the what I overwhelmingly noticed in listening to their stories is that whatever was happening within their body was metaphorically also happening outside of their body in their <laughs> lives. It was happening in their personal lives. It was happening in their business. And they were experiencing a physical expression of either their internal narrative or their external narrative or some rub between the two of those. <laughs> Wow, that's an interesting way to look at things. Uh, you know, it gives me pause to kind of, uh, when you just say that, I'm, I'm like rethinking everything I've been going through and wondering where that connection is for myself. And I'm sure a lot of other people are, are kind of doing that too. Where did, how does that fit into my life? Uh, so it's an interesting perspective to have. So, when with all this stuff that you're, you're you're drawing this connection between um the the physical body and the story and all that stuff is there right. a pra- is there practical applications and things that we can do uh you know some i have something to put into practice uh, absolutely absolutely so uh, like i'll kind of I'll, I'll create the bridge here and i'll kind of tell my story of how i came to this realization in the first place because i recognize i think one it's important to recognize that we're all doing what we need to heal ourselves. And when you kind of look at your life through that sort of lens, then you can give a lot of purpose to both your mindful and your reflexive um, actions, you know, and how things uh, trigger you. And so I recognize that my work is very much about learning to decompress my own vagus nerve. And so I've created this whole system of which I was introduced to one piece early in my career through having some osteopathic training um, through my physical therapy career to decompress the vagus nerve at the base of the skull. And so your vagus nerve basically gets pinched where we have horizontal structures. And so like your vocal cords, your diaphragm, the pelvic floor, and we know that trauma always affects the voice and the breath. And certainly some people lose bowel and bladder control when they experience trauma too. So these horizontal structures really are are where things um, get affected. And I went through an incredibly stressful period where I had kind of the proverbial midlife crisis and started questioning everything I had ever done with my life. (laughs) (laughs) And the, and, and I, I had always done a a combination of very traditional and very, and and a little bit kind of alternative um, physical therapy skills, but still very grounded in osteopathy and visceral mobilization, you know, very grounded in science with some big, like long established names (laughs) that had been doing this training for many, many years. And, but I got up to a point with my practice where I felt like, I wasn't being authentic to my clients and how I was showing up and I wasn't being authentic to myself because I, um, I'm very hardwired for logic. I'm a clinician, you know, like I love, uh, decision trees. Like I love clinical algorithms, you know, like, you know, to go through things and the, it, I was, I was able to intuitively give people information that I couldn't, um, 
reconcile kind of within myself. Like my intuition really just exploded and in a way that was really very accurate. And I didn't really know what to do with that. It was fun to be able to seemingly kind of pick information out of thin air to help people. <laughs> but it was, but I still fundamentally felt like there was a logic to this and that you didn't have to have some sort of spiritual awakening or crisis to, um, to have access to this information. And I took some time off and I read, uh, I read a bunch. And one of the things I ended up reading about was how mythology was a mode of transmitting scientific information. And the neuroscience behind how story affects our bodies is fascinating. You know, it builds oxytocin, it builds connection. We get all sorts of really beautiful hormonal connections through story. And certainly as humans, we connect with story more than we do, do with process. Like I can techno speak somebody to somebody, you know, and it does, it's not really going to evoke an emotional reaction. Right. But we know through pain science that we can get really excited when somebody cries or gets angry in front of us or as clinicians, we, you know, this is the, the, you know, the PT end of it talking because then, you know, they're going to get better because you've, you've asked the difference between acute subacute pain and chronic pain is that chronic pain gets locked into your limbic system, which is where your emotions are. And you have to have an emotional key to unlock it from there. And I would contend that not only is our chronic pain stored there, that our chronic stories and our chronic emotions, our chronic limiting beliefs, I would suspect are also stored there. And so the first thing that I uh, did with this information, because the earth is currently at a 23 and a half degree tilt, was like, oh, what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body? Because that's a very PT thing to consider. And the opening where your vagus nerve exits your skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where your spinal cord exits. And I know just from my biomechanical training that normal rotation between your first and second cervical vertebrae is 47 degrees to each side. And I know the anterior cruciate ligament sits at a 47 degree angle. And I know rotation at the foot is 23 degrees. And so there's all these kind of fractal um, representations of that. And there's also 47 degrees between the pole stars that our Earth points at over thousands and thousands of years. So this was really interesting to me to think about the body is a fractal of the earth because the research around the vagus nerve also shows that when solar and space weather disrupts the electromagnetic field of the earth, it's measurable in our vagus nerves. And the extent to which it's measurable depends, depends upon the strength of your interpersonal connections. Oh so God. I had all sorts of like, you know, light bulbs <laughs> going off in that. And the next part that happened, I had been studying astrology just for my own self exploration and the I did an, a free online stress management thing um, several years ago, and I ended up talking a lot about the ventricles in the brain. And the ventricles of the brain make cerebral spinal fluid. And I have had I have this picture in anatomy in an anatomy book that's my favorite image of anything anatomical ever. And I've showed it to patients many many times over twenty you know twenty or so years that I've had these textbooks. It's a compilation of MRI images to give a 3D picture of what the ventricles of the brain look like. 
And when I and I thought after I did this free training, I was like, oh, I'll maybe you know snap a picture of that and put it on my social media because it's such a cool photo. And when I opened, I hadn't opened the book since I started studying astrology. And when I opened it, I thought, oh my gosh, the ventricles of the brain look just like the ram's horns in Aries. And in astrology, Aries rules the head. <laughs> and so, and it works this way the whole way through the body as I went through it. The way your hyoid bone on your uh, in your throat sits on top of your larynx looks just like the symbol for Taurus and Taurus rules the throat and your aortic arch is the same shape as the symbol for Leo and Leo rules the heart and so to be able to so I've used this in two ways one you can use the story to dig into what those stress-related underpinnings of your physical dysfunction are you know or really any dysfunction any limitation you can you know start to relate to the story and I've also created a form of energy medicine from it. Well, and it's just been such an incredible joy, like the, um, to be able to shift people very quickly and very powerfully. And I think this is just the way the cosmos is coded into us. And it works not just through the Western astrology, Greco-Roman myths. It, um, the Vedas all tell the story of the different uh, anatomical structures in the body and um, it works for the Egyptian pantheon. I've dabbled a little bit in the Celtic realm, though I haven't gone super deep into that yet, but it just, I think the only rule we ever follow is as above, so below. <laughs> right. Well, there was, there's a ton to unpack in what you just, what you just <laughs> said there, but my, my, my initial reaction, when you talk about astrology, you're mm -hmm. going to get a lot of people, sure. uh, in the science world, cynics mm -hmm. and skeptics, uh, kicking back on that pretty hard. Uh, sure. it, do you, do you experience a lot of that, uh, pushback from the scientific community about, or especially when you start talking about uh, astrology and cosmology and all that kind of stuff? No, actually, it's really, and I think part of it is because the the transformation happens so fast that when, you know, like they see the outcome connection or that I'm able to help them relate to the story in a way that they hadn't considered previously. So so I want to I want to touch on a few things that you mentioned sure. there specifically. You talked about emotions being held in the lumbar. You're talking about your back. You're keeping your. Uh, I just want to dumb this oh, down can, for people sure, like sure. me. So you can hold emotions anywhere. So I'll give you like the the Chinese medicine system is maybe the easiest to um, understand. So uh, grief is stored in the lungs. Grief is stored in the lungs. Yep. Anger is stored in the liver. And. Uh, fear is stored in the kidneys. Wow. And I'll give you an interesting collective. Um, or, well, so I'll give you two, two examples around that. So one, uh, they in, from a Chinese medicine lens, my understanding is they would say that uh, smokers smoke to help soothe the grief that they're not dealing with. And that drinkers drink to try and soothe their anger in their liver. Right. You know, and we know that smoking affects the lungs and drinking affects the liver. Right. The most interesting synthesis of this, I think, is around the kidneys, because in Chinese medicine, the kidneys are fear. And in astrology, the kidneys are ruled by Venus, which is love. So to think of them as this love-fear spectrum. And your kidneys are, uh, Venus rules Libra, which is sign is the scales, and your your kidneys sit in your low back very much like a set of scales. 
And the um, scales also represent justice in the United States and in other countries as well. And at least in the United States, the populations with the highest levels of social injustice also have the highest levels of kidney disease. Wow. That's and so I think that <laughs> these things, like that, there's a scale on which these things happen in our culture that we haven't really tapped into. Right. So you, when you talk about, okay, uh, grief uh, being stored in the lungs and smokers smoke to, to relieve that, mm-hmm. what, what practical, um, practical uh, applications other than smoking would, would be helpful in dealing with grief since we know it's, it's stored in the lungs? Are, are they like specific breathing exercises? You, know, you what? can absolutely do breathing exercises. If you go to my website and sign up for my email list at the bottom, or it's even it's on a, the only playlist on my YouTube channel as well, you will get a free vagus nerve decompression course that gives you all the physical breathing things to open up those horizontal uh, compression points in your body right. so that you can breathe more easily. So, so when you say decompression, you're talking, uh, talking about a physical compression, like just yes. like, uh, like, uh, you like your spine can be compressed by your vertebrae. Uh, Absolutely. This- yeah. I so- treat the vagus nerve like a pinched nerve. So where, uh, what is pinching on it, though? Or is, does it run through your spinal area and the bones pinching on it? What, how does it's, it no, work? No, it's outside of your spinal cord. You really get muscles pinching on it. And okay. so like at the level of your vocal cords, your vocal cords and muscles or like it, your diaphragm is a good, is an easy example, like the muscle that we breathe with. And the, your vagus nerve goes, travels down your esophagus to go through the diaphragm. Right. And in all humans, you have more muscle mass on the right side of your diaphragm than on the left. So theoretically, the right side will always win. Wow. And because most people are right-handed and your liver's really big over there, it's much bigger than you probably imagine if you haven't dissected a human. And so I the, actually have. Yeah. <laughs> I was I remember I remember being in PT school and just being shocked at how big the liver was. Yeah. I had no idea. And the um so your body's just gonna lay down more muscle tissue over there. That's just how tissue tissue responds to stress, you know, and to the demands placed upon it. And so a lot of people are uh, are right diaphragm dominant. They're kind of locked down on the right side and they'll be stuck in a little bit of right rotation. And I'm exaggerating as we're sitting here on video just to, <laughs> to make right. the point. But, but I, that side ends up being more restricted in people more often than the left side does by far. And, you know, and the exercises, the regular exercises can absolutely unfold that, you know, for some people, it'll work great. You know, my background is in the people that didn't have great responses from other things that they've done. So as I look to unfold it, I think about that if you're locked down on the right side and the earth below us and the solar system above us are all spinning the opposite direction, where are you out of alignment on a fractal scale? And that's really where science scientists, you know, especially more in the realm of people that have exposure to some amount of theoretical physics and things like that really find what I do interesting because it's about how we're a microcosm of the macrocosm. Right. 
I get that. Um, that that's coming through pretty clear, at least to me. And uh, but I, I'm not sure how most people are, are perceiving what. But but what you're saying is really kind of uh, revolutionary to a lot of people in, in thinking that. Well, first of all, you're talking about physical stuff where, uh, and when you talk about uh, chronic limiting beliefs, right? I'm 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 sure I'm I'm not alone in this. Most people think that's all a mental thing. You're saying there's a physical aspect to these um chronic limiting beliefs? Absolutely. I would say when you think you've changed your mindset or when a mindset technique technique has worked really well for you, you've actually changed your body set. Wow. And that uh, you've changed the way that these energies live inside of you and perhaps even down to a cellular level because even within a cell um, the structures all uh, some of the 12 of the intercellular structures have the same uh, shape as the constellations adenosine triphosphate which is the energy uh, source made by our mitochondria is the same shape as the constellation Aries and so like this works just down to so many different levels. And I think when you change, for example, the way you lead, because Aries is archetypally the hero or the warrior, that that you're literally making these cellular level changes within your body. Wow. That's 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 pretty heavy. Uh, would, would we ne- necessarily see those as a f- physical manifestation? So from the outside looking at me, if, if I changed what um, my mindset, body set. Well, mm-hmm. would somebody who knows me notice that? From absolutely, from- I think that absolutely. I mean, I see it. You know, I think you would notice it in terms of your energy being better. You know, maybe feeling better in your body, whether that's more flexible or um, less joint pain or whatever that might mean to you. And it and you end up showing up different. Like like for example, one of the. Um, like stripping all the spiritual language out of all of this, the the underlying thing that goes with a lot of headaches, neck pain, head-related dysfunction is when your heroics and your desires are at odds with each other. So, for example, when you're being the hero in somebody else's story, then that is likely to show up as, you know, a head issue in your own body. Now, and granted, you know, so my background is in seeing people that already have the physical manifestation and where I'm taking this is in making people aware of this on the other side so that it keeps them healthier and they don't end up in my office or someone else's office in the first place. Wow. Uh. You know, and this is so that affects like your leadership. Like I call these also like leadership expansion points or leadership compression points because how you're showing um you know, that you have to have your heroics and your desires balanced to show up, or you have to have your emotions and your adapt, like uh, the next point down would be your emotions and your adaptability with each other. That if you're too rigid, like where you're not adaptable, or too flexible, where you're being someone's doormat, you know, that that will end up, uh, making your emotions very turbulent and it interferes with your identity. Wow. Uh, so we're going, in my, from my perspective, the entire world seems to be going through some really heavy stuff right now. Uh, and that language is, I guess, a little 
intentional heavy stuff. So we're all feeling the weight of this um, pandemic and all and all the circumstances that that have come with it. Uh, but there are different different physical manifestations depending on each person on on how on how they deal with it but i think we're at a crisis point where mental health really is uh you know mm-hmm. it's very you know on the breaking point here and i look around and i see a lot of people just stressed by it and, and uncertain uh the uncertainty from because i think we're by nature, human beings like to be able to plan the future, even if it doesn't turn out that way. We want to be able to have some kind of plan. And in in the situation we're in right now, people really can't make any kind of plans for even the, the short-term future. And I think that that causes a lot of stress. What about all those, you know, out, outside stressors and, and outside influences on you? Because it sounds to me like what you're saying is, Everything that we need is in, uh, uh, that we require of ourselves to to get to as healthy places within us. But does that exclude all these outside influences it, and like all the thing that's going on in the world? Yeah, no, not at all. I, I think we all have a physical expression of our internal narratives and an internal expression of our physical narratives. Right. <laughs> you know, so our physical world absolutely shapes it, and that's kind of what I was saying, like about the kidney disease that we're we have this imbalance and justice that's manifesting within the kidneys on a population scale level. And this is where I think, well, I'll say like starting at the individual level on the mental health front, I've treated, I've had a lot of uh, mental health referrals for what I do because vagus nerve is so critical for that. And what I have discovered is that people that are in suicide ideation are uh, are completely locked down. They're beyond compressed with their vagus nerves. They're in what I would call vagus nerve lockdown. And I can measure that. I know exactly how it shows up in the body. And I know exactly when to ask if they're experiencing suicide ideation and get them referred based on the measurements and you know, based on my evaluation process. And so I'm really looking for partners to explore this from a research standpoint, because I do think that you can absolutely quantify this within the body, that there is a physical expression of how this happens. And probably my greatest success story, uh, his has a testimonial on my YouTube channel, is from somebody that was that had an acute onset of hallucinations was in deep suicide ideation if what I did didn't work for him. And in one session, we got rid of 90% of his hallucinations. Wow. Uh, one session, uh, meaning... Uh, like an hour. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I mean, is it... Mm-hmm. I hate to kind of... You know, sure. But is it is it like people laying on a couch for for a psychiatrist? Is that what it is, or how, what does the session entail? What- well, like when people come see me in person, it's a um, I have you can probably see it behind me here. I have my treatment. Oh yeah, table. yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks it looks like a massage therapist yes, table yeah. or or, or yeah. a chiropractic table. <laughs> yes, yeah, same kind of thing. And so um, you know, so I'll go through the physical body to do it when I work with somebody remotely, which I do a lot of as well, then I will go through it more, uh, more of an energetic assessment and have that teach them how to do their own physical self-assessment to see where things are stuck. 
Um, but the mental health piece of it, I really get when we get compressed at all of those horizontal structures, because like nobody experiences stress or trauma and has really great arm swing when they walk. We all lock up with yeah. that. And those, and those horizontal structures are on our transverse plane. And so that's where we, the plane on which we rotate. So when we, when those things lock down, we lose rotation significantly. And, oh, go I, ahead. I'm, I'm just curious about the suicide ideation because mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, it's something we talk about a lot on this yeah. program. I've had uh, uh, Frank King, who is a mental health comedian who uh, talked about it a lot. And, uh, his take on it as somebody who, who has dealt with it all his life is the ideation is, is something that never leaves you, but you, you're, you manage to, uh, you, you learn to manage it and not, you see, his uh, take on it is it's not a problem until you have a plan. If you have, you know, if once you start making plans on how you're going to commit suicide, that's when it becomes a problem. But the just the idea of it, he said, I walk through that basically all every day of my life at some to some degree. Are you saying that once with one session, this guy will never have it again? Is that is that what I'm hearing or not? And he had a huge transformation. It took him a few months to get completely out of it, but he got out of the wanting to kill himself basically in that moment. Wow. You know, and he still had the anxiety. He had anxiety and other things that he had to, that he had some other help with afterwards. Right. That idea that, uh, I'm not sure where it really crosses the line be be between becoming an active uh, suicide wish and um, just not wishing I was never born type of thing. You know, I, I'd be better off dead or my, my family would be better off if I weren't around, whatever that thought is. But uh, it, it just seems to me that that kind of stuff uh, it's something that stays with people their entire life, at least from the ones I've talked to. Uh, oh, and I get it. Yeah, no, I completely get it. And I struggled with that tape playing in my own head for many, many years. And the, I, what I, well, my theory on how this is that, you know, one, you get the physical, like your rotation locks up systemically there in my training with visceral mobilization and really feeling into people's bodies to see like how their lungs and their liver and their kidneys are moving because there's energies to all of that. And this is something that people have taught for many, many decades now that the um, uh, people that are in vagus nerve lockdown, the, even their energetic rhythms of their organs are shut down. And going back to how I said that the only rule we ever follow is as above, so below, what I have observed is that the people that are more serious about their suicide, so they're closer to developing a plan, are they basically feel dead underneath my hands. I mean, they're walking, they're talking, they're breathing, they're, you know, coming in my eye, they're doing all that. But energetically, it's really kind of like they're dead and that they're matching. They're trying to match the story that's happening within them to the story outside of them. Hmm. And I think that you can really, I, I really believe that there is a way to physically uh, measure this and tap, you know, and, and to really get people help who wouldn't, you know, cause certainly we know all new people who have died by suicide that say, you know, that you're like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. They seemed completely fine. Yeah. You know? And, and I would say just there, you know, one, you know, I mean, I say I've said this of myself when I was having those feelings for many years that I was just the greatest actor in my own life. 
Hmm. That is so, uh, and I just want to be clear here. Uh, you're you're um, saying that basically this is a physical thing that can be worked out of us uh, with the right care on the body to affect the mindset of, uh, uh, or, you know, or the mental attitude of you know ideation about suicide. Yes. 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 And the research on mental health in general, overwhelmingly says that talk therapy alone doesn't really work. But when you combine talk therapy with a body-based intervention, whether that's acupuncture, massage, yoga, whatever, that then you get better, like you start to get real results. And Hmm. so you have to put a body piece with it. And I've just systematized all of this to make it very prescriptive. To, you know, right. there's, you know, I've created a logic system out of this that's not a logic system that we use in the, you know, at least not traditionally in medicine, but that we can really start to leverage. And as I think, I mean, medicine really needs to be leveraging the power of story, just because of how, uh, just because of the hormonal, re- you know, and, and neurophysiological research uh, influences of story on the on the body. It has fantastic influences, and so. Uh, I think it's something that practitioners could um, could leverage better as well, and that we can leverage on the front end within our leaders and our socio-political de- design so that we create systems that make all of us help- healthier, that we can use the Vegas model as, um, uh, like, in biomimicry, which, like, engineers have used biomimicry for forever to be able to like the Japanese bullet train is designed after a bird's beak, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so like we use nature to design, you know, to make good engineering designs. And I believe that we can make, use our own bodies and our, you know, and nature systems to also create good socio-political design and good leadership and good connection medicine. And connection is, is such a potent, remedy across um, yeah well uh, you know i to a lot of people it sounds like i'm just thinking uh, uh, for myself and and i I equate that most (laughs) some people out there might think like me so i am not saying when i say a lot of people i mean me um it sounds like it's too good to be true like that there could be a physical cure for suicidal ideation that sounds like wow yeah let's all celebrate that and raise our hands and say victory and the world is going to be a better place now uh but if that's true why why don't why aren't why isn't modern medicine just really really jumping on the bad bandwagon here and modern psychiatry and all of that just saying yes we know how to cure this thing no more suicide folks I've been uh, asking for a long time. Somebody call me. I'll teach you how to evaluate it. Like, I really want to. I'm very much the artist in this. Like, I need like I need a good partner for, like, to create the research piece of this. But I really feel like, like, I've done this enough times that I really feel like this has some teeth to it in terms of how it will work. And I know the one thing that I find with the vagus nerve decompression pieces is that it's not always the... Well, it works well enough in terms, like I have enough people to get better in one session that it makes me think it can always happen. It happens just often enough that I'm like, oh, like I know, like, you know, it's so much fun to to sort of like wave the magic wand, (laughs) you know, so to speak and make that happen. 
the, but it clears, it's like cleaning the window so you can actually see then what's underneath. It gets rid of a lot of the extraneous noise. So then you can get people better directed to the exact kind of help that they need. Gotcha. And there's, you know, so, I mean, I don't think that it's always the, like in some people, you know, I've had enough experience that, you know, in some people it is the sort of the magic pill that goes, you know, the magic uh, wand that goes with it in, um, in others, it just clears off a bunch of the junk so that you can go, Oh, this, like it gives you a clarity that like, Oh, this is what I need. And this is where the next, you know, this is the next step to go. And it makes whatever other interventions you're doing work better for you. It amplifies that your vagus nerve is like the big influencer of your body. It influences everything, you know, and I love it from a, from a PT standpoint, I've loved it for so many years because your vagus nerve uses the same neurotransmitter as your muscles. So I decompress the vagus nerve at somebody's head and they get better ankle and foot flexibility, wow. you know, and, and their knees and their knees starts working better and all the, you know, and so you get these very far reaching effects, be, which I believe are from the shared neurotransmitter. Well, I I assume that anybody listening to this has the same reaction that I I do in that you try to uh, think about these things and how they apply to my own situation mm-hmm. right now and all and the things that I'm going through. And I will tell you that I'll share this with you that um, I spent a lot of years doing things I knew uh, were not my purpose, not my past, not something I want my life was meant to do. I basically as a marketing director and technology director and all these kind of things where I was miserable. I always known my past was on the creative side of things. Uh, but I hate being part of a corporate structure and all that stuff. And I was tied into that for a long, long time. And when I left that and started doing this, my wife and people who know me said, you're a changed person. You're, you're completely different now. Uh, they noticed the physical changes in mm-hmm. me and um, my energy and a- everything about my personality changed the moment I decided to do what I felt my purpose was. But I will say this, in the, there are still some things in my life that um, physically are tormenting the hell out of me in in a in a very strong way. So even though I'm in this place now where I feel like I'm aligned with my purpose, uh, people see an outward change in me. There's some still some really bad physical things that I'm going through. Uh, and, and you kind of mentioned some of them, you know, back pains and leg pains and all that kind of stuff that I really uh, am at a loss to try to explain. I mean, I've had nerve damage in my right hand for a year and a half now where I can't feel my fingers and I'm a guitar player and I play often with picking. And so that's a manifestation of something beyond because the pinched nerve that caused it healed a year and a half ago, but the, Mm -hmm. the, the effects are still there. Any, any insights for a guy like me who's going through all that kind of stuff that I just mentioned? (laughs) Sure. Well, you know, sometimes, well, I'll say sometimes physical thing is just a physical thing and that you just kind of need to, you know, that there is kind of value to just, you know, unlock, we're, we're in our, we're, you know, uh, we live in physical bodies. And so sometimes you just need to get things back in alignment, like, uh, you know, on that very structural level, I would say with that nerve uh, stuff going down into your fingers that I would bet that your first rib is elevated when your first rib is up here, right at your shoulder. And most of the time, first rib is elevated because your vagus nerve is compressed at the base of your skull. 
because hmm. the nerve the nerve that goes to the muscles that attach to your first couple ribs exits with it as well. It's called your spinal accessory nerve. And so that um, so in my course, I have a, a technique where it's, it's pulling on your ears side to side to open that space up. And um, but I would bet that you have the your that your hand thing has a strong component that's coming from your upper neck base of your skull area. The you know, back pain um, is uh, often has strong ties to the diaphragm, the respiratory diaphragm, because your diaphragm inserts into your hip flexor muscles. It, it, it attaches. And so when your diaphragm is dysfunctional, which is very common, your hip flexors will be tight. And I see a lot of people that are functionally stuck in a fetal position but are walking upright. And the amount of compensation you have to do to achieve that is enormous. So if I see somebody that, say, had an epidural injection and didn't respond to it, didn't get any relief from that, I know, like, those people are 100% stuck in the fetal position and walking upright. Wow. And, um, you know, and in, uh, you know, but it shows up in different, you know, that's how it shows up physically. In, like, a leadership or in a business kind of sense, I would say that that kind of shows up where you're, judgment and your uh, maybe creativity or interfering with your purpose, like that there's kind of this, you know, like, and so there's just like it, it just shows like it when it shows up non or as a non-physically or as a um, more of a life situation than a physical, you know, than a like in the physical body, it's just, it's the same thing. It's just nuanced a little bit differently, but it's still about being upright and, you know, in your purpose and, um, whatnot. And so you can, um, uh, and go, I have plenty of, you know, like it can be, you know, with the, the course I have online, like those six or seven exercises or so in that can be hugely transformative and you don't even have to do them, all of them every day. You can pick like, do, you know, one or two different ones a day, you know, and go through it over a week or to and just do the ones you feel like give you the most relief and are the most helpful. And um, when they work, they work really quickly. And so, um, you know, and getting that uh, neurotransmitter flow and when you open up those horizontal structures, you're not just decompressing the vagus nerve, you're decompressing the arteries and the veins and the lymph and everything, and you're enhancing flow. And that's what happens in the life situations too. It enhances flow. You get everything that goes vertically through those horizontal structures gets better flow. And so you get better circulation. Like certainly some back pain is related to heart disease, because if you have atherosclerosis at the level of your heart, you have it in your low back muscles too, and you will get low back pain because you're not having enough blood flow. And that's part of why exercise helps. Right. Okay. In the first place. But I think that there's, I think we settle for a level of, um, you know, we accept a level of stuff that we don't have to. I don't think we have to settle for the answers that the medical system is always giving us. I think we can keep asking, you know, I've worked for years and years to try and put myself out of business that if I can be so good that I don't need to fix anybody on the back end, that would be my dream. Yeah, that's never going to happen. But I strive for that. Like what one, two or three things can I do to make all of this go away? You right. know, and I've challenged myself to that for years. And it works often enough 
that I know it's possible. And it works, you know, and the other week I was working with somebody in New Zealand and I had her use a, uh, a sound from an Egyptian hieroglyph to unlock her hip and it worked amazingly well. And like, it blows my mind still that, <laughs> that that is, uh, the, that these, you know, that I can do that, you know, and that that's even possible. But I think there's a whole new science and new medicine that we are not tapping into that would really, uh, that's very accessible to everybody and, um, and really, for me, taps into the shortest path to our highest potential. I think most people are feel that uh, traditional medicine is um, as though it's come a long way, and 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 uh, miracles can happen in, in with modern medicine. Uh, a lot of things that we get caught in, uh, trapped into, uh, especially the over reliance on prescription medication and stuff like that, uh, seems and and the you know the proclivity to to want to want to do surgery on people when when you know sometimes that's not the best answer so people do look for alternative uh ways and and alternative methods of healing so people there should be a more of an open mind towards some of these things but because there are really some some i don't want to uh, Categorize it, but some way out there ideas on from, coming mm-hmm. from people. They t- they tend to kind of lump everything into one thing. If it's not traditional medicine, it's all crazy, wacko stuff. And where where does a discerning person kind of uh, get educated on what re- what's real and what's not real? Absolutely, no, I completely understand. And I mean, that was part of my own struggle too. I have a lot of, I'm board certified through my profession in orthopedics. I've got a lot of career letters after my name. Like I worked really hard for these conventional credentials and, you know, and I understand the science of all of it. And I, um, I, you know, those things are coming together because like yoga is getting more research behind it and meditation, you know, like these things are coming together and there are more doctors that are doing acupuncture and yoga and things like that as well, that are integrating those aspects in, into their practices as well. And for me, what's really important is that very often both alternative medicine and allopathic medicine are saying the exact same thing. They just aren't communicating, <laughs> you know, right. they're realizing where that overlap is and how they can make each other better. I don't think it has to be a competition. I think it can be an absolute collaboration. Surgery is very appropriate at times and modern medicine does amazing things for people. And we absolutely should not exclude, you know, one side at the expense of the other, you know, certainly alternative medicine does a lot for people as well. And my greatest hope for my work, you know, and I'm really, I'm in, uh, writing my book right now and uh, we'll hopefully have it out in December or January at the latest uh, to really create that bridge and create it in a logical way that people can. Oh, this is the root of all disease. We medically, we, oh, am I frozen? Uh, no, you were for a second, but we're okay now. Okay, we're okay now. The We know that medically that stress is the root of all disease, but we don't talk about what that really means. Yeah. And that's where I think the story is really powerful because we see ourselves in story. We love movies. <laughs> right, right. And we, we're all looking for something that, you know, that we can hold on to for. And uh, But the, the, the I think a, a lot of people uh, worry about this. And I know when it's weird that, 
uh, a couple of weeks ago, or not even a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, maybe, or, or 10 days ago, I saw a bunch of reaction towards yoga as a, uh, from, from people in the medical profession and, uh, and from people in the religious field, uh, mm-hmm. thinking yoga was like an evil thing. And, and so, uh, we have this idea that, and where I'm going here is some, some of this sounds like it's also, it's not just physical. It's not just, um, mental and all that stuff, but there's a spiritual aspect to it. And when that becomes, it becomes, uh, you know, pe- people have a weird, weird sense about spirituality uh religion and all that stuff and where it kind of ties into us as as beings energetic beings and all that stuff and it gets really confusing then when we think mind body and spirit and then people get intimidated by the idea of spirit well can you talk to that at all absolutely yeah (coughs) excuse me i've been talking so much now i'm (laughs) yeah i I understand the um (laughs) so um one, I would contend that we're made in thought, word, and deed, not mind, body, spirit. Or I think thought, word, and deed is a much more um, functional way to think about it. The, the, like, you can take whatever text, your religious text is, and apply some of these principles of um, storytelling to the same. You know, so, like, for example, just with cranial anatomy... Um, like I spoke earlier about how in astrology, Aries rules the head and your ventricles look very much like the ram's horns for Aries. And you have a bone in your head that sits behind your eyes and uh, the wings. It looks like a, an owl or a bird, a bat. Um, some people would say it looks like a bat. And the wings come up into your temples. It's called the sphenoid bone. And uh, Athena, whose symbol was the owl, was born of Zeus's head. And so, like, so there's kind of the Greco-Roman version of that story. The story of the Temple of the Ark of the Covenant describes cranial anatomy in quite a bit of detail. And so you can take it through Christianity. And the um, Hindu deity Ganesh lives on the underside of the brain, where the roots of the trigeminal nerve are the eyes, the cerebellum is uh, are the ears, and the brainstem is the trunk of Ganesh. Ganesh had an elephant's head, and so you can really make this work with your spirituality. I don't think that that's in the uh, has to work against the process either. Yeah, but you know what? I think a lot of people when you say it, it, you can use it from any aspect like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I'll, human nature is we want to be right and we want to we want to hold on to our 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 system is the right one and every other one is the wrong one well and so there's the i mean i would i think being addicted to being right is a huge problem yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, like i mean and i would and i think you know and really to have those shifts in your body for i mean when we talk about forgiveness you know which certainly every major you know every religion and even non-spiritual you know uh thoughts will, you know, or processes will teach forgiveness too, that you, um, that you're, you're letting, you're making space for what else is true. Right. Right. You know, and I think that's the, when you can start to dismantle the addiction to being right, you get all sorts of transformation. And I, was introduced to that concept through business coach training, like just on the neuroscience of conversation, you know, you know and the dismantling a, uh, you know, a leader's addiction to being right can be critical to how 
uh, to the profit of a business. Right. Well, uh, this uh, when you started talking about the addiction to being right being a problem was the first time in this conversation where I felt like uh, grounded in something that I know about and, and kind of feel like, okay, I'm back in my comfort zone now. I agree with you completely on, on that. that. I think not just in business or in religion or in everything. It's uh, politics, no matter where you take it, that uh, that addiction to being right and the, the desire to be right about everything uh is is like one of the biggest poisons human race has ever swallowed and we continue to swallow it daily and i think that is at the root of all the ugliness that we see in the world today it's i need to be right i need to be right and uh the failure to question our beliefs. I had a, a Christian uh, pastor on last week, and his whole he call, he's got a book called The Feral Christian. And I, I basically told him, I, you know, I'm going to be questioning, and he welcomed it, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be questioning every part of it. And it doesn't mean I'm trying to um, confront you or, or say your beliefs are wrong. I'm curious and I want to know, and I'm willing to believe that I ha- I, I'm clueless and and not right about so many things but i need you know to hear some insights on that and it was a very refreshing uh conversation to hear a christian minister pastor actually um say he was he agrees with me on that and that uh, i'm not always right and i'm i don't i don't hold out that you know what my beliefs are always right i always have to question myself and i i welcome that but i think that's a rare rare thing in, in the world today and i think it's a big problem in the human race yeah um, oh absolutely well and i mean i think having some compassion around that too because when we when we think we're right we get a dopamine release in our brains and we feel awesome right, <laughs> you right know, like yeah. there's a chemical aspect to that that you know we enjoy being right and we're also wired for what's familiar not what's right you know right. that's why abused women go back to their abusers because it's familiar not like they know what's wrong but it's familiar we're deeply wired for what's familiar and the way things have been and this shows up in medicine deeply too like it takes an average of 17 years for what's discovered in research to become standard practice right well, I've had your website up on, on the screen since we started this conversation. It's MelanieWallet.com. Very simple. The, it will be in the uh, show notes as a, a clickable link, so you don't have to worry about that. But on the audio side, if you just need to hear it, it's MelanieWallet.com. Uh, what what do people uh, expect to get from your website? How do, you know what's what's there in, in sure. terms of content? Well, if you sign up for the email list, I send a whole bunch of free resources, including my vagus nerve decompression course and uh, a PDF about figuring out your leadership compression points. We'll discover your piece on that as well and other ways that you can connect with me. I'm uh, changing up courses and I have free offerings going on all the time. So the events change. So just check my website for uh, those. And I love it when people reach out to me and my contact information is all over my website. So please reach out to me. Great stuff. I feel bad that we didn't even really touch on the business aspect of all the stuff. It's all been like individual stuff. And you, you mentioned your book was probably coming out in January. I would love it if you would come back and we could focus more on the business stuff and kind of uh, promo your book when it comes out. Oh, I and love all that. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I, you know, this is just, 
we're just touching the base here. We are over an hour, but I figured, you know what? I'm going to need to edit out that blank space where we lost you for a little bit. So yeah. uh, I, I, I appreciate you staying over the hour. Uh, this stuff, uh, it's a lot to, it's a, it's a huge uh, mind shift for somebody like me to even try to start to absorb this information. I'm sure you get that a lot though, where, where you, you start to speak about this stuff and people just go, Whoa, wait a minute, slow down. I need the dummies course for this. Uh, but it, it's been insightful. It's given me a lot to think about. Uh, and, uh, boy, oh boy, it, it's got my head spinning in circles now. Like, you know, especially, um, why if if all you're saying is or is true about this stuff why why and how can we get traditional medicine to embrace it more readily or do some real serious uh, quantitative research on it so that we because if it's useful in the way that you describe it i would think you know traditional medicine would be running towards it i i'm betting that chiropractic uh, is far more open to uh, they would be yeah no absolutely like I said like I welcome lots of collaborations I teach healthcare professionals as well so if there's you know anyone has interest in that you know I um uh you know I I like I'm I'm teaching a group of uh I don't have any chiropractors in it yet but the I have a physical therapist occupational therapist yoga instructors hypnotherapist um so I have a group of clinicians that I'm uh, teaching my life's work to for the first time right now. And, um, and I, like, you know, these things have worked really so incredibly well for me. I would love to know what's me and what's like, what's repeatable outside of me, because I think that it's, um, yeah, me uh, too. It's, I, I, it's just been I, so I, magical. <laughs> that That's the key, you know, making it repeatable and, mm -hmm. and, and coming up with a system that, that works for everybody would be, would yeah. be the key. Uh, Melanie, you've, you've, you've planted a lot of seeds with me today and as far as uh food for thought and i guarantee if if i feel that way then a lot of the uh listeners will feel that way too so i thank you for your time and, and insights today and i look forward to having you back and, and exploring this much deeper thank you so much matt i'd love to come back thank you for coming and have a great day this episode is brought to you by put me in the story put me in the story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by Vapor DNA. 
Founded in 2013, Vapor DNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, my head is spinning. I'm sure yours is probably spinning, too. Uh, I guess the best way is to go to our website and check this stuff out. I look forward to that book coming out. And I do uh, hope to return in when the book comes out and we can uh, talk about some of the applications towards business. Uh, you know, it's not it's very rare that I come away from an hour conversation just really like wow um not sure where to begin with this i hope you enjoyed this program i hope you tell your friends about it check out her website i know i will be uh checking out in much a greater depth uh tell your friends about this podcast if you enjoyed it and come on back subscribe go to my youtube channel subscribe there go to minddogtv.com get on my mailing list and questions and comments and i'm sure you probably have a lot info at minddogtv.com info at minddogtv.com uh until this evening who do i have this evening i i'm i'm losing my mind here oh uh Lauren Herbert, who's uh, an empowerment coach, an educator, an author, an entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of Soul Love Legacy, uh, will be with us. And that's another uh, very deep conversation I'm looking forward to having. probably still going to be thinking about this one by the time we start that one though this was a pretty heavy one i hope you enjoyed it i hope you come on back and i thank you for spending this time with me uh just a side note if you're looking for the live stream i'm going to pull down the live stream to re-edit out some of the holes that that are in it from the technical difficulties we have and put it back up uh late this evening so uh if you're looking for it you know it's not going to be there until uh later this evening and i apologize for that but uh due to technical difficulties there's some editing to be done uh so until tonight uh i look forward to seeing you then at 8 p.m eastern thanks for coming bye for now she looked at me you know that look and she smiled that little smile i said here we go
Yeah. 